Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Once again, thanks for joining me this week as we bring you another wonderful conversation with a true thought leader in the K-12 education space. My guest this week is Ron Berger, and Ron is the Chief Academic Officer at EL Education. EL is a network of over 150 public schools in more than 30 states that partners with school districts across the country to transform K-12 education. Ron is also the author of several great books. His newest offering is We Are Crew, a teamwork approach to school culture. As you know, for those of you that listen to the podcast on a regular basis, school culture is one of my favorite topics. I've been blessed to have some amazing authors and thought leaders on this topic, including Jimmy Casas, Adam DeVico, Eric Schinniger, the list goes on and on. But folks, this book is a little bit different, and this can really be a game changer for you in your school. As you dive into We Are Crew, not only are you getting some great advice on building that positive school culture, but Ron also dives deep into things like deeper learning strategies and project-based learning and developing opportunities for kids to create beautiful things throughout their learning experience. So this was a great conversation, folks. I think you're going to like it. So kick back, relax. My conversation with Ron Berger begins right now. We're Aaron and Dave Tashin, co-hosts of the Mindful Educators podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Reimagined Schools podcast, the show that shines light on positive leadership, technology integration, and innovative solutions to transform our schools. Featuring many of the nation's top educators, tune in each week to hear from best-selling authors, popular speakers, and thought leaders throughout K-12 education as we continue the conversation on how to create better schools for kids. From the podcast studio in Georgetown, Kentucky, here's your host, Dr. Greg Goins. My guest today is Ron Berger, the Chief Academic Officer for EL Education. A big welcome to you, Ron. How are things going there on the East Coast? Good. Thank you. We're doing as well as we can in this tough time, Greg. Thank you for hosting me. It has been a tough time. And whenever you're working with schools, it has to be even more stressful. As someone that's the Chief Academic Officer of your school network, and, and we want to get into what EL is and your background a little bit, but what's the experience been like over the last several months as we, you know, live through these unsettling times? Well, I think teachers and school leaders and parents have been heroic during this time. I mean, it's a really tough time, but there's no easy answers, and I would hope that all of us can try to be patient with each other. I, I'm sad when I feel people being angry that kids are going back or aren't going back, you know, because like it, there's not an easy solution. Every solution is going to bring some real harm. And um, I just hope we can be patient with each other that we're all trying to do our best. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, we have enough stress just trying to figure out how to provide instruction. So hopefully we have people that are cheering for each other as we kind of navigate this new normal. Exactly. 
So tell folks a little bit about your background. I know you spent 25 plus years teaching in Massachusetts uh, and then working with the uh, EL organization. Can, can you just kind of give our listeners a brief overview of your background and maybe talk about what is EL? Sure. So uh, my personal background, Greg, it's true. I, I live in a small town, a rural town in Western Massachusetts, and I taught here for more than 25 years. And it's such a small town that I was the only upper elementary teacher here in town for a long time. So pretty much everyone in my town is my former student. And, and that's a really powerful thing because my life is in the hands of my former students because my nurse is my former student and the volunteer fire department are my former students and my plumber is my former student. And if, if, if first responders come to my home and that has happened to us here in my family, they're my former students who are coming. So it reminds me of what's really important in education, which is creating good human beings who have a good work ethic and high standards for what they do. It's not just preparing kids for tests. So it's a blessing really to be in a town where I'm proud of what my former students do and who they are. Um, I was a part of the founding of EL Education about a little less than 30 years ago which is a national nonprofit organization that works with schools and with districts around the country, particularly in low-income rural or urban settings to improve schools and, and improve choices for kids. And we've grown a lot over almost 30 years and we're now uh, our partners, our partner districts and schools are reaching over half a million students. Wow. And, and so you have a lot of great things going there. You can learn more about uh, EL Education at eleducation.org. And you certainly want to follow Ron on Twitter at Ron Berger EL. Uh, great resource, a great follow, and uh, lots of great information there on those websites. You have a new book out. You're a co-author. And the name of the book is We Are Crew, A Teamwork Approach to School Culture that I'm very excited about. And I want to jump into that uh, if we can. But first, I want to talk more about EL and really your design principles and what kind of your North Star has been uh, since you've been involved with EL. I know it has a lot to do with deeper learning and project-based learning, but what is the fundamental belief uh, of Ron Berger? Thanks, Greg. Well, EL started in the early 90s, and the parent organizations that started our, our nonprofit were Harvard Graduate School of Education and Outward Bound USA. And People mostly know Outward Bound because it's an organization that takes adults and children into the wilderness. But it doesn't take them into the wilderness to build wilderness skills. It takes adults and kids into the wilderness to build their character, to build their sense of teamwork. So that in the wilderness, you are charged as a crew to get to the top of the mountain together with all of your cohort, all of your team, or to get out on the ocean together, or to get down a river together. And it's hard and it's scary and you have to depend on each other. And it's during the course of that week, you fight and you argue and you cry and you get upset and you worry, but you learn to depend on people in a different way and to help people and think of others often before you think of yourself. And when you're done with that week or two weeks, you're a different person. Like you're, you have a teamwork approach. You feel like I should be thinking of others all the time, not just thinking of myself and my needs. And so our thought was, what if schools were that way? What if school was more like a team sport versus an individual sport? And um, I don't know about you, Greg, or your listeners, but when I went to high school, for example, my job was to get myself into college. 
It was not to help my classmates. And in fact, if my classmates did poorly, I would do better because my grade point average or my class rank would be better. There was no incentive for me to have a real team approach. And in contrast, the schools we work with have this structure and this spirit called crew, where they feel like they're part of a team. Their job in high school is to get all their crewmates into college and all their crewmates ready for a good life, a life of contributing to a better world. And so we have a lot of schools that we work with who are getting 100% of their students, often first generation to college students, into college every year because it's part of the team goal. It's not just every person out for himself or herself or their self. It's a we're in this together kind of approach. And we've always been project-based because we believe that the work kids are doing should be contributing to making the world better. It, school is not just to prepare kids to someday when school is done and they enter their working life to make the world better. They should be making the world better right now through their schoolwork and their service as second graders or as 11th graders. And, and that gives them a whole different motivation to be there. You know, I always love talking to people that have an expertise in this deeper learning concept. I've heard it described as learning that's sticky, and I like that definition. But I've also heard you say several times that it has to be learning that lasts. And we have too many schools. It's still memorization and retention. They, they leave the building, and it's forgotten forever. And the point you just made, it has to be learning that's going to actually mean something, be meaningful, and making the world a better place. Exactly. And I would say, uh, to build on that, Greg, that when we think of um, the fact that high school or elementary school or middle school have generally been individual sports for kids, not team sports, the parts of high school that are sticky, the parts of high school that kids often remember, are the parts that actually they are part of a team. It might be a football team or a volleyball team, or it might be the cast of a play or a musical they're in, or it might be the school orchestra, or it, it, it may be Model UN or debate society, but they're part of a team that's getting out in the public and doing good work together that has a public audience, like that has meaning in the world, that they, they are performing as musicians, as football players in front of their community. And imagine the power and the stickiness of high school if their academics were like that, if the academic work they were doing had a public audience and a public mission and contributed in some way to their community. And, you know, I think the other thing about, about your work and what you're doing with EL is not only are you really talking about deeper learning, there are a lot of great books and resources out there on deeper learning, but you really take a deep dive in talking about deeper instruction and yeah. what, what that looks like. And there, you actually have principles for deeper instruction. If you can share that with our listeners as well. Sure, uh, thank you, Greg. We, ha we have a book called Learning That Lasts, which is about this concept of deeper instruction. And I think it's pro it can be project-based, but it goes beyond just projects because even in a project-based school, many of the lessons that are taking place during the day are not connected to a project. And we would offer that we think every lesson should be deeper. Every lesson should push kids deeper. And the three uh, aspects, the three dimensions we would say of, of deeper instruction are instruction that's challenging, engaging, and empowering for kids. And we start with challenging um, because when people think of engagement, they often think of entertaining kids, having a clever lesson. But we think kids should think, whoa, this lesson is hard. Like that's where it should start for them. 
In the same way that on an outward bound trip, kids should look up and think, we have to get to the top of that mountain? Like, that's scary. We're gonna have to do this together. We want mathematical problems and historical problems and texts in, in English that kids think, that's way harder than I think we can do. So that when they actually work together in accomplishment, they feel like they accomplished that thing, they feel like we could do more than we thought we could. Like, and part of the engagement is the challenge in having really rigorous, rigorous and challenging work and problems and projects for kids to do, um, grabs them and pushes them deeper. It also should be empowering because kids should be running things themselves a lot. Like a school newspaper where, you know, you go into a high school and kids are working in the school. They're the editors, they're the writers, they're the layout people, they're the graphics. You, a classroom can be like a school newspaper. Kids can be doing scientific work, historical work, original research, and, and in an empowering way, they are building agency by running a lot of their own learning and producing something for the public. That's the way regular lessons can be. And I love that because we're talking about making the classroom look a little bit more like a real life experience. And we know that once you're out in the workforce, it's a team-based experience. And I think a lot of people have this misconception about PBL that we're just going to create a project and we're going to let the kids go and we might monitor on occasion. But there is an element of direct instruction that has to take place. Absolutely. So for the project to have value in the world, kids have to develop expertise to do it really well, which means high standards for what you create. If you're going to create something for a public audience, it has to be really high standards. It, it, that, um, that science has to be accurate, the mathematics have to be accurate, the, the writing has to be grammatically accurate. Everything has to be professional adult quality. And to do that, what we suggest is you bring in experts from the world. You bring in scientists and authors and writers. You bring in local people from your community who are experts in architecture, in, in uh, scientific measurement, in engineering, in writing, uh, in arts. And you use them not as guest presenters in your class, but as critiquers of the student work. You have the kids held to standards from the real professions of if they're going to create a report for the city, it has to be a high quality report that a professional would create. Yeah, and, and I think that's very well said. And um, again, a great resource. Check out uh, the website eleducation.org and follow Ron on Twitter at RonBurgerEL. And you know, I also heard you say, uh, I was watching a few videos uh, here the last couple of days in preparation for our conversation. I love the fact that you talk about the ultimate goal for students is to create something beautiful. Can you talk about what that means? Yeah, I've been in education, Greg, for over 45 years. And my biggest passion in education is the, the idea that kids can do beautiful work. And when I use the word beautiful work, I don't just mean aesthetically beautiful, beautiful to look at. I mean mathematically beautiful and scientifically beautiful and historically beautiful. I mean work that, that has a, a significant impact, a positive impact for, for social justice, for economic justice, for environmental stewardship, for racial justice, like that's beautiful work for me. When kids do things and create things of value that people marvel over, or those, the things that they do and the actions that they take in their community create substantive positive change, that's a beautiful thing to me. And, and as I said, the things that many of us remember from our own school days is if we were a part of a play or an orchestra or a chorus, or an athletic team that did great things in front of our community, 
that was a beautiful thing in itself. And so our idea is, can we make more of the academic work that happened in classrooms an opportunity for kids to do beautiful things, to create books together that honor the local veterans in their community for their service to the country, to, to do scientific studies of the buildings in town to make sure that they're using energy well, to test the waters in town to make sure there's not pollution um, that in the, the waters that people drink and test the air to make sure that, that people's air condition, uh, that the air they're breathing is safe for them. Like kids can do at all ages that kind of scientific research, historical research, and create reports that are in themselves beautiful things. Yeah, let's jump into the book a little bit. Uh, we are crew, a teamwork approach to school culture. You can get that now wherever books are sold, and I highly recommend that you do. Uh, by We Are Crew, you can also follow the hashtag We Are Crew. Why do you think there are so many books out there on school culture, and why do we continue to have these conversations? We all know as educators, there's tremendous value in having a positive workplace, but still, we continue to bang this drum. Why aren't people understanding the value of positive school culture? Wow, it's a good question. Um, I, I don't blame anyone, Greg, but I feel like there is tre tremendous pressure for all of us in education. Um, because all of us, whether we're teachers or students or school leaders or district leaders or parents, we're all measured by one thing, and that's test scores in two subjects. And so there's a great fear that if we don't spend all of our time on getting kids ready for their mathematics and literacy tests, that we're all going to suffer and we'll all be held accountable. And so it's very hard for people to feel like, no, we actually need to take the time to make sure that the cultures of our buildings are respectful and valuing of all people, of all races, of all backgrounds, of all gender identities, of all sexual orientations. Like our schools have to be safe places for everyone to feel welcomed and valued at all staff members and all students. And if we don't, kids won't feel and, and staff won't feel like they can really be themselves and flourish there. So I think we know it, but we feel we get on this treadmill of test preparation because that's how we're being held accountable. And I, I don't blame the educators for it, but we have to stop this system. Like we have to slow it down and realize if there's not a fertile environment to grow great things, we're not going to grow great learners. Like we have to build that soil together to make sure that kids can, can flourish in, this, in, in schools. So that's, yeah, that's what our book is about. It's a teamwork approach to a building a good school culture. Yeah, and you talk about creating a crew culture, and you've hit on that a little bit, but I think the thing that separates this book from maybe a lot of the other books that hit on school culture is you really take a deep dive into what you call meeting structure and why that is a valuable piece that's often forgotten whenever we're talking about changing culture. Exactly, and so we use the, the term crew, Greg, to mean team or teamwork. And it comes from our outward bound roots of this being a crew working together in the wilderness. And it means two things for us. It means a crew spirit, a crew culture of looking out for others and working together for positive change and taking care of each other. But it also is the name for a meeting structure we use. And for students, that means an advisory structure. And that advisory structure, for example, for secondary schools is a very, uh, deeper example of the kind of structure that some high schools currently use, which they call advisory. We have a crew period, an advisory period that meets every single day 
with a small group of students, maybe a dozen students. And those dozen students, for example, will come in in ninth grade and stay together as a group of a dozen for four consecutive years with the same crew leader. And that crew leader gets to know their parents or their grandparents or their foster parents well. And if that student is struggling, there's someone who knows their life really well. Those students know each other's lives well and they hold each other accountable, deeply accountable. So they support each other, but they also push each other to stay on top of their academics, to treat each other well, to be good human beings. It's the, it's the forum where kids discuss their social and emotional health. It's the forum where they discuss tough issues of race and, and gender preference. I mean, it's, it's the place where all those courageous conversations can take place in a safe environment. And you know, not only have we been hit with a global pandemic as school get, gets ready to start, but there's also social injustice throughout the country that we see every night when we turn on the television. And I know that's something that uh, is, is a, a very important element of your curriculum. How have you gone about uh, talking about those issues with kids in your network of schools? Excellent question. This is a, a time of really deep racial reckoning in our country, long overdue for us to start taking seriously how tough things have been for people of color in our country. We have schools, Greg, in Milwaukee. We have schools in Kenosha. We have schools like right at the center of where this is happening. We have a, a secondary school right on the town common of Kenosha where the windows of the school were broken and graffiti was sprayed all over the schools and there were police snipers on the roof of our school. So there's no question but that we have to have these conversations every day with the students in our schools because it's the world they're living in. And I think crew has been really helpful for that because these students are already part of a crew who trust each other. They already have a crew leader whom they trust. And they're used to having challenging conversations about their identities and about race already. And so at least they can gather every day in a safe place to talk about what they're seeing outside their windows, what they're living with with their families, the, the risks that they're taking. And I think that's a starting place, just to have a safe place to have honest conversations about how all of this is uh, affecting us, especially since most of our students are low-income students of color, and they are at the center of, of this reckoning period. And, you know, I think that's a great segue into talking about your 2020 virtual summit that will be held October 22nd and 23rd. Uh, entitled What Matters Most, and it's going to be put on by EL Education. And the focus will really be racial justice, quality curriculum, and social emotional learning. Can you just talk to our folks that may have an interest in registering for that event? Sure. We usually have, as most people do, um, Greg, an in-person event. Uh, we attract um, usually about 1,500 educators to come together in a city. Um, this year, because of the pandemic, we are having it all virtually. But I, I'm really excited. It's a two-day virtual event. Our two keynote speakers are Glenn Singleton, um, who is a strong Black educational leader whose book, Courageous Conversations About Race, has been really a guide for people for the last 15 years about how do you talk about race in your schools. Our other keynote speaker is uh, Dina Simmons, a, a Black woman educator of, again, a national leader in this work, who really talks about the need for schools to create a place where black students and students of color can have their identities affirmed and valued and that they can be their full selves. So we're gonna talk about how we're navigating all that in this time of racial reckoning and also how to navigate that in a remote time 
where so many of our schools are, are working remotely rather than being able to be physically present. Well, it's been a great conversation. I'm a big fan of your work, and uh, it seems like the time always flies by. I do want to give you a closing thought before we get out of here. Uh, the name of the podcast is Reimagine Schools. That's obviously a passion of mine to think differently about what the school experience looks like for 21st century kids. As you look back at your career uh, over 25, 30 years as a teacher, now with your work with EL, uh, it's kind of a, a loaded question, but I'll ask it anyway. What are some of the things that you've seen that you're really excited about uh, during that time period? And then what things do you still wake up every day and just scratch your head and say, when are we going to break through and really go to the next level on some of these things? Huh. Well, I, I love that your podcast is called Reimagine Schools because that's what we all should be doing right now, especially since we have this rare moment when there are no state there were no state tests in the spring. Like this was a chance for us to think if we are not just focusing on test results, what is school for in terms of preparing the kind of citizens uh, that we want in our in our lives and in our country? So what I'm most excited about, Greg, is that for 25 years, I worked in this small rural town where we're so small, we have no town government. Everyone votes at town meeting. And so I was able to take my students and put them in substantive roles in helping to run the town, to do scientific studies and demographic studies and do presentations at town meeting and create reports for the town. And I wrote a book about that called An Ethic of Excellence. And it, it, it sold well, it's still selling well. I, I still get people excited by that. But the critique I got was that only works because you're in a small rural one school district. You could never do that in a city. And what's made me so uh, appreciative and, and hopeful is that in the last 20 years through the EL Education Network, we're seeing students of color in the middle of urban environments in regular big old district public schools doing beautiful and important research and civic action in their cities, just like my small town rural kids did. And kids have done energy audits of all the schools in town so they can be retrofitted. They've done work for peace in places that are riddled with gun violence. They've measured the, the quality of water and the quality of air and the quality of soil in their cities. They planted urban gardens. like. I think kids want to do good work for the world if we can give them that opportunity. So that's what I'm most excited by. And when you ask what discourages me, what discourages me is our lack of trust in kids, which is right now when kids are often remote and at home, our inclination often is to send work home that's just work for kids to complete rather than working with kids to think, what are the kinds of ways we can address the issues of now? Like the world is in trouble right now. Let's get kids thinking and researching and talking about what they can do to make things better in small ways and in big ways, rather than just think, let's just do more of the same. Let's send home more packets for them to complete. This should be an opportunity for us to reimagine school as your podcast is called, to think how can we use the power of kids to be thinking how can they contribute to a better world right now. And that was so well said. I hope everyone puts that last three minutes on repeat and listens to it every day before they uh, go into their school or get ready for virtual learning. So Ron, thanks again for a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. 
Thank you, Greg. I super appreciate your being willing to listen to my passions about this and to support the work we're trying to do. And I wish you the best with this podcast. Well, thank you so much. Again, folks, buy the book, We Are Crew, A Teamwork Approach to School Culture. It's a good one. You want to make that part of your professional library. And also, if you want to register for the 2020 Virtual Summit that will be held October 22nd and 23rd, just go to the website, eleducation.org. So that's a wrap on another episode, folks. And as always, do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the Reimagined Schools podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite episodes. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins. You can also connect with me anytime via email at drgreggoins at gmail.com. So if you have a question or comment about an individual episode, or maybe you have a recommendation for future guests, I would love to hear from you. Also, anyone out there that has an interest in sponsorships on the Reimagined Schools podcast can hit me up via email, again, at drgreggoins at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, folks. And remember, always do what you can to create better schools for kids.